Welcome to the Troy Currents Channel Podcast, where we talk all things real estate, business, and entrepreneurship. I am with a, hopefully a new friend, Lauren Hardy, goes by This Mom Flips. Lauren is from Cal State Fullerton. She's done a lot of flips. She's got 2.7K followers on or on uh, YouTube. You've got a lot of women-inspired coaching going on, and... You're in a male-dominated sport, and you're flipping houses. You're kicking ass at it. And tell our audience about, you know, my audience is 60% male and 40% female. And it seems to be that way. I'm sure you've looked at your CFM and stuff like that and your analytics. But you're out there kicking butt. Tell us about yourself. Well, Thank you, first of all, for having me on the show. I know we've been trying to do this for a while, and um, it's it's great finally be able to you know film this episode. Um, so a little about me. Um, what can I say? So I live in Orange County, California. Um, I'm 35 years old. I started flipping houses on the side of my full time job um, when I was 25 years old. I got into house flipping uh, for two reasons. Um, mainly because at the time I had a one-year-old and I also had a baby on the way. And I learned really quickly um, from being a mom that when you are, uh, children are very needy and uh, they need your time. And when you work a full-time corporate job, you don't really see your kid very much during the week. Right. And, you know, I had my daughter. It's, it's funny, these things that you don't really realize until like the person is born and you go, wow, this lifestyle sucks, right. you know? So I'm working this full-time corporate job and that was actually in co corporate real estate. I started out in commercial real estate. That was at Sperry Van Ness? Um, at that time, I was working at the Irvine company. That was my last job. Yeah, and that was in construction project management for office TIs. Anyway, that's boring. But anyway, corporate job, just leave it at that. It was a, it was a corporate job. It was super stable, great benefits. Um, but I was working eight to five and the commute was about 45 minutes, sometimes even an hour with traffic. So I would drop my kid off. She's one years old, you know, at like seven in the morning and I'd race home to try to get there, you know, by six o'clock. And I would feed her, bathe her, put her to bed, and that was it. And that was all the, you know, the, the, the only interaction really that I had with my one-year-old, you know, during the week. And it was pretty rough. It was depressing. I, I didn't want to raise my kid that way. Um, then I found out I have another one coming, you know, along, and now I'm going to have two kids that I, I barely see. <laughs> so is that what motivated you to start getting into real estate, like flipping houses? Yeah. yeah. So... I was willing to honestly do anything to get out of that corporate life. Um, I knew I had to start a business. I didn't know what kind of business I'd start, but I knew and I was willing to do anything because I hated my lifestyle so much. Wow. And I was lucky though. My brother happened to start flipping houses about a year or two before I did in that time. It's and I- yeah, well, and I didn't really care what I never really cared to pay attention to what my brother was up to or doing for work. <laughs> Sounds like my so, sister. <laughs> yeah, I just, you know, whatever. I never really paid attention to it really. And I was complaining while we were barbecuing. We used to barbecue on Sundays and and you know, drink margaritas. And I was just complaining, I hate my life, I hate my lifestyle, I never see my kid, you know. And I said, I just need to do something where I work from home. I don't care what it is, I just need to work from home. And he said, why don't you try to, why don't you try doing what I do? And I was like, well, what do you do? <laughs> and so that's how I became, that's how I started in my house flipping journey. And how long had he been actively flipping at that point in time? Probably like a year and a half, maybe two years. So he's fairly new in the game and, mm -hmm. but he's excited about it. He's trying to get you excited about it. And how, how quickly did you gravitate to just going all the way into that? Was that conversation like it? You're like, okay, I'm doing exactly what you're doing or what happens next? About one week. So, and I, I mean, I'm not even lying. So the next, I believe it was the next day I drove by his house and I picked up a course on flipping houses. So this is back in the day, I'm going to date myself where they didn't have these online e-courses. They used to come in binders with CDs. 
Right. So I had to drive to my brother's house. I couldn't just, you know, steal his username and password. <laughs> and so I picked up this course. He said, I've got a course. You should listen to it. it. It comes in CDs. So I picked up the course the next day. And that entire week on my commute, I did nothing but listen to this course on how to flip houses. So this is on your way to your job that you hate and you're listening to a real estate course on CD to and from work to the job that you hate to emphasize the point that like, I'm going to quit this job and I'm on my way to work. It's kind of, that's kind of funny. That's how I left a certain job. So I understand exactly where your, where your head was at. Was there something at your career besides the fact like that you didn't like seeing your kids that you didn't like about your job as well, that you were just like, you know, cause if you were like at the top of whatever that profession was, do you think that would be change where things went? Or was it just like, you know, this is where I can see myself in the future and where it's going real quickly. And I just want to stop it now. There was one big event and it actually wasn't at that job. It was the job before it. Okay. And the, this event that happened, I, I said to myself, I will never be in this situation ever again. I will always be, I will always be in control of my happiness day to day right. with my career. And I will never have this happen again. So I actually decided I wanted to be an entrepreneur before this. Right. I just hadn't found the thing yet. And then I finally started really out loud talking to people. And that's when my brother said, you should flip houses. And then it was like, I found my thing. But I had started saying, I have to find something that I can do. Um, I think I need to be an entrepreneur. Um, and that event, it was the job before that, um, I had a really bad boss. Right. I had the worst, it was like the worst boss ever that just made you never want to have a boss ever again. Right. You're like, this guy's got complete control over me or this gal or this person or whoever. It was a guy. Yeah. And you know, and you're like, I know more than them possibly. I'm a harder working person than them possibly. And there's, and then, yeah, I've been fired from jobs where I, you know, demonstrated my best. I've had bad boss, bad bosses, good bosses, but at some point in time, if you're the type of person that doesn't like to be told what to do and you are a hardworking person, the rubber's going to meet the road and you're going to say enough's enough. And it sounds like between your having your children and realizing that emotional state of your life and then getting a boss who you didn't get along with or whatever is the situation lined up with where you're at today. So where are you at today? Man, I, my journey really took me into a completely different direction than I ever would have really thought. So from when I started, I started out as, as a local house flipper, your just typical HGTV stuff um, in the Orange County, LA, Inland Empire area. That's all Southern California. Correct. Um, fast forward, you know, about a decade later, um, I actually do all of my business virtually out of state. Um, and the reason for that is because uh, California, it's very, very hard to find a deal. It's really hard to get the margins right. that make sense, you know, to flip in my area. Um, and I, I was faced with that. Um, that was really starting to become an issue around 2016 for me. Okay. I, I, I was able to write it out, you know, for few years. Um, and then about 2016, I, I really realized that there was a difference in how my friends that work these out of state markets, I, I was so well networked, I, I had all these friends in different states, you know, that that I met through masterminds and, and Facebook groups, right? Right. And there was such a difference between how hard they had to work Right. to make the money they were making and then how hard I had to work in California to get a deal. To put this into context, they would have to maybe talk to 10 sellers to get one deal Right. in, in 2016 when they were utilizing maybe a direct mail or some kind of direct to seller, they would maybe have to make 10 offers to get one deal. I had to make a hundred to get one deal. So like who's working harder? And, and then to get those hundred offers, I had to do the marketing, which is expensive to get a hundred people to get on the phone. Right. Right. So it, it really didn't make sense. And I thought, okay, well, 
I, and I started widening my net anyway. I was driving so far. And if you've ever been to Southern California, the traffic is crazy. I would never wish Sorry. it upon anybody. Yeah, it was, I was driving sometimes, you know, two hours to get to a flip project. I thought that, I mean, I might, this might as well be out of state. It might as well be. Yeah, it, ex exactly. It might as well. Might as well. So it, it, th that's a great, yeah. I, I do, I flip out of state and I, I have a really interesting question for you because it's one of my biggest problems and, and I, it's the problem, no matter if you're local or you're out of state or whatever, but how do you manage, how do you manage your people in multiple markets? Right. Your contractors. So, so right now in this very, very moment, and for the, about the last year and a half, when my coaching program lost, you asked me where I was, I didn't answer you fully. I also have a, a coaching program in this thing. Um, I, I focus solely on virtual wholesaling. So okay. I removed the rehab component. However, I did flip out of state previous to a year and a half ago. Um, I've also built houses out of state. So that was actually my first venture was flipping and building. Okay. And then I went to more of a virtual wholesaling model because I didn't want to deal with the contractors that were, what, that were ripping me off. However, <laughs> yeah, exactly. 2022, yeah, 2022, I want to take a stab at flipping again okay. um, because I did look at the revenue that I let go. And it, it was, you know, it, it was pretty painful to look back and see that those houses I wholesaled, I probably would have made $40,000, you know, if I just would have done it myself. So this begs the question for me. This is what's on my mind. I have it written down beforehand, but like, why are you in California? Like if you, like, I'm, so I just, I'm in Las Vegas right now, but I literally had the same, we're like, we're traveling the same path here. I'm competing hundred to one in Vegas, you know, and I'm doing, I'm be, and I'm cherry picking and I'm doing, I don't have the traffic problems that you have, but I have, and I don't, we have a great labor force here and all the, uh, that other things. And we have fast days on markets, but I'm looking at all these other guys in these other markets who are like just bitten fat and happy. So I started buying and flipping in other markets, but I went all in on the Midwest and I'm like, what, what? And I moved there. <laughs> so what's keeping you in California? My kids, my kids and family, cause I'm divorced. So yeah, so I mean, I kind of, for custody reasons, I've got to stay, I can't take my kids out of the state. So, so, so if that wasn't honest, the case? I probably would move, yeah. Yeah, I, I honestly, yeah, I, I definitely think that there's amazing places to live and that don't come with the price tag of where I live. I live in a really cool place, but there's a lot of great places to live that I wouldn't have to pay quite as much. So yeah, gotta make, you know, you have to make it work. I mean, these are the cards I'm dealt. So I just had to make it work. So you've made it work. Awesome. So now you're, because that's like finding the deal is is the hardest part of real estate. So you've identified that that's your best skill set. You've identified that you're going to be able to do it out of market. I'm willing to buy deals in all sorts of markets. And I would love to buy some from you um, if you're wholesaling them. So if we could do business that way, that's great. I don't know if you do the Midwest or Mississippi or any of the markets that I'm in, but we might, we might be in some of the same markets. So we'll have to definitely chat about that. So you're in California, you're, you're, you're wholesaling, you're flipping in other markets. Are you doing anything in California at all anymore? Not right now. No, if I'm going to spend a marketing dollar, it's not going to go here. If I got a deal for free, I mean, I wouldn't turn it away, but. Right. So yeah. you're all your marketing's going in other places, but if there was a deal that you couldn't say no to, obviously you're there to make for money. Sure. Now is your brother still, is your brother still flipping? You know, he was wholesaling. Um, he went strictly to wholesaling and he had kind of a little niche that he would work and it would, he stayed in California, but as of right now, he's actually more of a stock trader now. So oh he kind of jumped and went to a different industry. Yeah. So the, the, the social media for you. So for me, I'm, I, I'll tell my age, I'm 44, you know, I'm wearing glasses now. And I, I actually, um, went all in on social media uh, like just last year, because I saw the exponential growth that people were having. And I'd been, you know, just sitting down, putting my head down and not telling anybody about anything. And I saw that a lot of people like yourself started to tell people and I'm like, these people are inspirational. And I think that you are inspirational for a lot of women because you're, you're doing 
and I'm not, I'm not saying that women are not capable of doing this. I'm saying that if you look at all the metrics, it's dominated by men. I think you're one of the only female flippers that I have met, female wholesalers that I have met ever. Yeah, or that didn't come with a husband and wife duo. That's right. Yeah, because yeah. there's like a my, lot of, you know, yeah, duos for sure. My wife flips, but we're working on it together, right? right. And she, and she, you know, she doesn't wholesale, but she does some flips with me and we do some flips together. She does some of her stuff on her own. We do our own stuff together. But, you know, how do you, how is that, has that played a part into your success, negative or positive? You know, people ask me that I, I got that question actually, like at the doctor's office, funny enough, like last, uh, last week's, the doctor asked me, how do you, how do people take you seriously given your age and your gender? <laughs> no offense. <laughs> oh, really? No offense. I'm yeah. like, are you allowed to, are you allowed to ask questions like that in these days? But I don't care. I don't get offended. Right. Right. I, I, I'm trying to find a way to explain it, but it's like when you're when you don't even have that outlook or focus on it, you don't notice it. So I'm kind of deaf to that. I never thought I was different because I was a woman. I, I never, you know, you could, you could throw me in a room of men and I don't, it, I don't think I'm any different. <laughs> I, I don't, I, I, I don't get intimidated. I, I don't know. I've always been able to, um, I, work with, with men and talk their language. And, and I've a lot of, men are like my, I have a lot of good friends that are men, you know? And, and so, um, I don't feel like, I feel like when you have that sort of victim mentality, then you, oh, you yeah. keep finding these reasons that you're a victim. Like, oh, it, I bet that's because I was a woman and that's why, you know, I didn't get that opportunity. Right. Well, no, maybe right. I just didn't get that opportunity just because I didn't get that opportunity. So like, I never, I don't default to my gender to, to, you know, use that as an excuse of the result of my outcome, if that makes sense. So yes, um, it does. I don't think, I don't think that, you know, it is, you know, stopped me in any way being female. I, I really don't. Um, I will say, I think there has been an opportunity. Um, I don't know how, to, I don't want to say it the wrong way, but um, I did get a, an amazing opportunity to coach with Wholesaling Inc., and I think opportunities like that, they don't just fall out of the sky. Um, but, you know, they were, it was at a time where they didn't have any females on their panel. It was Brent Daniels, Cody Hoffine, Tom okay. Roll. They, they didn't have a female. They also didn't have a virtual coach. So it was, it was a two prong. It was, they needed a virtual coach because a lot of students are in our situation. We are not alone, Troy. There is a lot of people that live in high price markets and they want to wholesale and they try to do it in their market and they get burned because it, I don't want to say it doesn't work, but it, it isn't easy in high price markets. It's, it's, it's intimidating for sure. Intimidating. It's hard. Yes. It's just yes. harder. And, and I would harder. say like, you know, because you're on the hook for a contract in a major, major market as your first deal. If you're looking at a million dollar deal or a $1.8 million deal. I just think that alone, like, you know, I'm from Washington state originally and the prices there are crazy as well. And it's like, how do you even get started? I always tell people go to a different market. So I'm glad we're on the same yeah. page there. hundred percent. Right. So they had a lot of students that were, that were in that situation. So they knew they needed a virtual coach. And then it was like a perk that I also happened to be female because they hadn't had a female. So it's like, oh, this is something different. You know, they, we, we, they, and they thought, what's funny now, this is, this is the funny thing is they thought that that would attract more females into the industry, you know, that I would somehow like that my avatar, my customer, you know, my main app marketing avatar would then turn into be, being the women, the single moms, the, like I would break. No, not at all. My, my avatar is still, you know, men between 25 and 35 years old. Right. That are men. I would say 75% of my followers and following is, is men. So it didn't really attract women um, like they thought it would, but that's okay. I, you know, it, I, th I think, I think, it, I think it will. And that's kind of what my goal is with our interview here today is I, you know, I have a daughter and she is, you know, I know you, let's talk about your family. I'll talk about mine a little bit later, but so you have, tell me about, tell me about 
your family right now, your daughters, the ones that inspired you to get invested in flipping? Who are they? What inspires you about them? What are you looking forward to in the, in the future for your children? Yeah, yeah. So I have, you know, two girls and they are now eight and 10 years old, which is pretty hard to believe. Um, you know, so I started this right when Reese was, you know, about one years old. And gosh, right now, I mean, I got to tell you, when it was almost as if back, you know, maybe 10 years ago, it was like there was this inst an instinct, a sixth sense that said, your life is going to get really freaking hard. So you better have more freedom during your day and flexibility because shit's going to hit the fan in, in the next <laughs> 10 years. And it did, you know, um, I got divorced. Uh, I, you know, my ex-husband, great guy. We're great co-parents. We get along really well. Um, but you Excellent. know, left the goal. I had to let go of some golden handcuffs, you know, to have that security of his W-2 income. I let that go. Um, we got divorced. So that was pretty tough. And, and in the divorce, my, my fear was just, oh my gosh, I'm not going to see my kids every day. Right. So I managed because I was self-employed. I said, wait, I'm going to pick them up every day from school. So they're going to see me every day. Even if they sleep over at dad's house, I'm going to pick them up after nice. school. So they know that this is base camp. They come home to mom's house every day after school, eat snacks there. Like they have that regular place that they go. Okay. So that's like a really, really excellent point. So you're very big on routines. It sounds like. Um, I was going to ask you about your routine. It sounds like you're very, very, I'm guessing, organized and highly efficient. So I'm really excited because I'm not. And I have, I'm surrounded by my wife is. And that's why I, one of the reasons I married her, because I know what my, but tell me about your routine. I'm really interested to hear about it. Yeah. I mean, to be, you know, a single mom with juggling two kids, you know, you definitely have to be very effective in your day. And in a fun game I play with myself every day is how can I be more effective? Like I'm always trying to better this process of life, right? And, and this thing we call life and living, um, you know, so I, I am... I, I definitely have a routine. Um, if you want, I can go into like my day, a typical day, a typical weekday. Is that what you 100, want 100%. Let's, let's roll okay. with it. So I now am a 5 a.m. person. Never was up to about a year and a half ago. I finally became a morning person that wakes up at 5.15. That was hard. That was hard, but I did it. Awesome. Um, and I work out at six in the morning. So I was never that person. I was having a really hard time staying consistent with my workouts. And when I finally just said, bit the bullet and started waking up early and getting there at 6 a.m., now I don't miss my workouts because I have no excuse. Nothing is happening at six in the morning. What could be my excuse? Right. So um, I, I get up at 5.15, I make my coffee to go. Um, I go to a gym that's about 10 minutes from my house. My kids are at an age now that I can leave them alone. Um, so they just sleep. They don't even notice that I'm gone. Um, but I have the Alexa thing on and I can like watch and see if anything happens in my house. So that's how I do a little single mom tip guys. Um, and then, yeah, I get back, I get them out of bed. Um, and we are, they get out of bed at seven and we, go straight to school. Uh, as soon as they're ready, we go to school. We're usually at school by eight o'clock. Um, while they're in school is when that's prime time for me. So that's when I'm working. That's when I'm, you know, doing the podcast, filming content, working. Um, I'm very routine about having businesses and I like to, or, I'm sorry, uh, meetings and I like to time block. So what I try to do, I, I really, try to keep all of my communication with my team. If they need to communicate with me, it really, I try to keep it within meeting times. Okay. Um, because when you start getting pinged all the, all day long, I mean, you just don't get anything done. Got a minute, got a minute, got a minute. Yeah, yeah. yeah. you just get, fra you're, you leave that you're at the end of the day, you're frazzled because you got not one thing done. You just kept getting like everybody's monkey on your back that's saying, you know, throw your monkey, the monkey on your back. It's like everybody just throws their monkeys at you and you're constantly dealing with that and putting out fires and, it's chaotic. And I was doing that. I used to another fun tip. Um, I used to live out of my inbox. 
I used to, you know, check my inbox every day, my email, I would look right. at my email, you know, right. I don't look at my email anymore. So you might notice like it was hard for you to get a hold of me because I don't check my DMs or emails regularly. I do it very like I will look into my email if I'm expecting something that I need for a project I need to get done, then I will see if that person emailed me back. But I don't check my email looking for who's like for other people's demands on my time. I, I don't allow that, that is that is probably one of the smartest things I've heard somebody say. I, I don't think there's enough emphasis. Like I struggle with this myself. I'm actually going through a calendar whole time blocking thing right as we speak because I like you. I have to block off date night for my wife because otherwise she's gonna get ne neglected. I have to block off golf time for myself, otherwise I'm gonna get neglected. And just what you're saying right now, and if you continue to ask people to let them take your time, and if you're a slave to your email, which I'm, I'm like you're, you there, but, I, but I'm not as far along the process. So I think it's really important to elaborate on that. Like, why did you start to do that? Because this, like you said, you didn't become, nobody be, nobody's a 6 a.m. person at the gym. You have to become that person and nobody's a time blocker you 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 realize that everybody's going to suck your time and energy and you got to control that addiction with the social media that it brings into it it sounds like you're very disciplined i am but you're right uh, something painful has to happen i take time to reflect so i i call it thinking time so pain happens i reflect on my pain and I get real clear about what's causing the pain and then I come up with a solution. And I do this during thinking time. I do this probably every month. I write down what's working, what's not working. How can I fix what's not working? So social media, this is, I love you that you brought that topic. I used to have Instagram on my phone and I was a lot better at checking my DMs that way. Um, I was also like really good at just compulsively checking my Instagram for no reason at all. Like it's I, like, it, was, it's, it is, it's, it's, it's a tick. It's like a tick. It's a tick. It's like you literally, you know, I'm on a red light. I'm checking my Instagram. I'm like, why am I doing this? Like, this is crazy. And yeah. then I would open up the app and I would see like Pace doing this and Jamil doing that and you doing this. And I would go, oh my God, I'm not, oh my God, I need to do that for work. You know what? That's a good post. I need to do that. Or, oh God, I'm not doing enough. How come I haven't closed 56 deals this month? Like, oh God, it would give me so much anxiety. It would make me think about work. It was constantly. So the first thing I did is I started muting all of my real estate friends, no offense, but I like muted everyone. I was like, mute, mute, mute. Like, I just want my Instagram to be like puppy photos and, and makeup and like, and workout fitness influencers. Like, I don't want any real estate influencers. So I started muting it. Well, that doesn't work because I still opened up the app at stop signs compulsively. Yeah. And then I was, you know, yeah, you check your DMs and then you're starting to get in the rabbit hole of answering DMs. I finally... I did a what's working, what's not. And I was like, I am wasting so much time on this app. And it's, it is giving me anxiety. It just gives me anxiety. It keeps, it makes me think I'm not working. I'm not doing enough. So I deleted Instagram off my phone. So I, so if I post on Instagram now, I send it to my social media manager. She has to post it for me. Um, and then I check Instagram every few days on the computer. And so that's why, again, you and me had a hard time connecting because you would always DM me and I was like checking it once a week. <laughs> well, you know, it's on. So I, let me tell you about that. So for me, I'm, I'm the same way. Like I, in fact, I tried to not even do that the first time because I knew that I, it would suck me in. And, oh. but I couldn't find anybody that would care in the beginning as much as I cared. And, but now I'm to the point where I've, got caught a little bit of wind in the beginning i couldn't catch any growth right so i'm having to like mine it like it's my first whatever right because i'm trying to go all in and grow it and then you realize all the people that are going to suck your time all the people that like where do i start what do i do how do i get going and you're like you know what i'm not making any money off of this i'm not selling any courses to anybody right now i'm going to eventually produce that but i'm actually that's what my wife told me she's like you're not working on what's important right now produce your course produce your course it, because she's like, this is all for nothing. And I think that you have identified that early. I got lucky. I was never going to be an influencer. I never had that plan. If you look at my Instagram from 2019, it's like 
funny dog photo, pictures of my kid. And then all of a sudden it's like, she hosts a podcast. So I'm a little unique in that I never wanted to be in education. It was never a thought or a goal or anything like that. It just happened. Honestly, it, it was a conversation with Brent Daniels, who's a friend of mine. He said, you'd be so great at this. And we need, we need a virtual coach. You're the only person I know that's doing it you know, and you know, you'd be so good at it. Why not? And, and it just, the next thing you knew, I produced a course, I, I had to make a course, you know? And so that's why I started with the course. Um, so if anything, I think I'm behind on the social media. So I've got like the whole course and managing a coaching program and understanding how students think and work. And, um, and, and I'm glad I got that project done at least. Um, you're making me thankful about that. But if anything, I would say the social media part is where I could use some help for sure. Well, you know, it's like my buddy Josh Galindo in Vegas said, and I think it's, you know, he goes, where your focus goes, grows, right? And so, like, I felt like I had to figure out the social media to hire the expert, right? So now I have the ad out there. I'm trying to get out of it. You're going to see like less postings of me doing no more stories of me, you know, like whatever I feel like doing that. Just like you said, it's going to be well more thought out, less reactive and impulsive. And I think that that's, I think that you put the best part first, which is the education and, um, that's important and you can always come back to the social media, but if you don't have a product to even sell, which I don't right now because I've been immersed in growing my audience and I think you, I think you made the right play. Um, if somebody wanted to buy your course, how would they buy it from you and where would they go? Go to uh, www.virtualinvestingmastery.com. Um, that will lead you right to my course. Um, but I do have some free stuff if you just want to get familiar with you know, a, a mini course I've got, um, I've got laurenhardyco.com. Um, I've got some freebies on there if you just want to kind of get familiar with with my product and and who I'm about. Sweet. So, and and that's, that's what got you started is listening to another program. That's what got me started was listening to another program. And, and then it's contagious because of the amount. Now let's talk about, so where do you see yourself you have your children, you're living in California, they're growing up quickly. I have two twin eight-year-olds, so I know the, the, the story you're in right now. I feel like I'm in it with you. Um, where do you see yourself in the next five years, 10 years, this next year? Where, 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 what does life look like for you? So, you know, the next year I said, I don't really want to grow my business. I want to make more money with my current business. So my, my goal to myself is you're not, I don't want to raise my expenses to grow my business. I want to be more efficient, raise my profit margins, maybe do bigger deals. Um, I'm trying to get into commercial. Um, so maybe multifamily or trailer parks, um, some kind of multi-tenant commercial. My goal is to have one of those deals, a syndication of a multi-tenant commercial building done this year. So that's like my one year goal is to kind of break into the bigger deals. I want to get back into flipping um, because it's something I did before. And I now learn from my mistakes from when I, you know, kind of when I gave up on it virtually, I learned a, a thing or two. I said, if I were ever going to do it again, these are the things I would have put in place. And, it, and none of these issues would have came up. What were they? Yeah. So when well, what I are they? Flipping, what? Yeah. What are they? Um, the big thing that we needed was a neutral third party project manager. And it couldn't be me because I don't have the time. I so it was me at the time and it, I wasn't doing a good job. So I, I did find someone is my boyfriend who already has a construction background. So he is going to be the project manager who manages the GCs from a distance. Um, the issue with me when I was flipping from a distance was the GC would do really good on the first project. And then they would, you know, kind of the next one, it was the second project and third project that then they would, you know, start ripping me off and, um, not completing, you know, during, you know, uh, not completing in a timely ma manner, not really doing what they say they're going to do. Um, but if I had a project manager that was like, well, then I'm not going to issue my next payment to you until I see a photo and a video of what happened. Um, I also want to have our runners, I call them runners um, in my local territories, um, come by and verify that, pro you know, progress has been made. 
Um, I'll even have a realtor be like that third eye, you know, to verify. So, you know, that progress is being made, like maybe scheduling that the realtor has to come maybe four times during the process, you know, to, to just verify in person, touch it, feel it, you know, this is, this is going, you know, the way it should be. Um, so that was really the big issue with yeah, me was just the project management. That's, you know, that's, that's, ex you've identified exactly what's going to happen unless you have like a really strong, like in Mississippi, I have a contractor who I've been working with for like 10 years. And so I don't need to be there because I, I trust him and he gets the job done. Right. And no matter what, B but you know, in Kansas city, when I went in, I bought a, a ton of houses out there and same type of deal happened to me. You know, the guys don't do it. It's same every market, right? That's the same symptom, same, whatever, every market. And you just have to keep the money in front of them, right? You got to keep the money in front of them because human nature, you're out of state and I need money and you've got it and you're the easiest source. And that people underestimate that the hardest part of flipping besides finding a deal is construction and, and finding capable guys that are going to finish a job. And once you find those guys, you don't ever let them go and you treat them great and you keep the work in front of them. And it's one of the things I was going to suggest for you, if you do start doing it again, that I stole from my realtor actually out in uh, Kansas City is, a, uh, is just an app called PauseCam, which allows you to basically take a super long video in a very short, condensed period of time. I manage all of my stuff through WhatsApp and whatnot on, um, you know, like for draw schedules and stuff, because I'm always bouncing around the globe, right? And... But we use it on a pause cam and we have a field rep and now he either now he approves it or doesn't approve it versus me anymore. Right. But wow. same type of thing. I had to go down there and train that person. You have to have someone who's there and then you can say, hey, now because it's not the highest and best use of our time managing contractors who lie and tell you a bunch of stuff that, you know, and plus you're a little bit emotionally invested when there's not that 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 barrier of whomever, whether it's your wife, whether it's your husband, whether it's your boyfriend, whether it's an employee, somebody who's just showing you the facts and you're making the decision based on those facts. Yeah, so that's all, I mean, I did, you know, I had moments of when, like when I was building virtually, I ended up being like friends with the builder, the, the general contractor. So like, he did a great job, it was fine. It was like the easiest, easy process, um, didn't have an issue with it. When I was local, I found that, you know, great contractor, you know, that it just, it was like magical. Like I could just give him the keys. He'd call me in five weeks to let me know it was done. I like, didn't even have to really, like I would go one time right. to like check on the house. Like that was it. I mean, we were just, I, it, but he, he was a contractor to other flippers that I knew. So I think that there's that level of accountability because we all talked. So if he messed up on mine, I would tell everyone. So, yeah. you know, I, it was magical. It was so easy. And then I went, you know, then I tried, okay, well let's flip, you know, and, and let's give it a go and let's try. And I would get those rotten eggs. I'd land on the rotten eggs, you know, I'd land on those bad contractors that would go, oh my gosh, what was the point? I could have wholesaled this and made more money. Why did I even do that? Right. Um, and it was all, it was all project management. And I just wasn't, I didn't have the time to be that diligent about it. Um, so I fired myself and, um, you know, I think I'll do it better next time, but you know, to ask you, you did ask my goals. So that's my first goal is to get back to making more money out of my current business. Um, you know, I went to a really, really great event. I recommend to anyone. It was called the four day MBA by Keith Cunningham. And, um, it's a room there was like, God, probably a thousand people, um, all entrepreneurs, anywhere from, you know, making no money to, you know, $50 million companies um, in that room. So it's not an all newbies and it's not all real estate. In fact, there was no one I met that flipped houses. I mean, it was all different businesses. So you learn, it's cool, you know, to network with people that are in different industries. Where was, and where, Keith where, Cunningham. Where was that at? It's in Austin. So Keith Cunningham is the author of the, um, of the Road Less Stupid. So it's an amazing book. If you guys just Google on or look up on YouTube, Keith Cunningham, he has some good presentations. He's an amazing presenter. And he said, you know, what, instead of thinking I need to grow my business so I can make more money, you need to think, 
how do I make more money out of my current business? The biggest thing, the biggest mistake entrepreneurs make is they try to grow their business to make more money. By growing it, they mean that they add on expenses. They get new marketing campaigns. They dump more money in marketing. They hire more employees. And all that does is it causes more problems. And then they end up often losing money and making less money than they did before when they were smaller. Right. So you got to listen to smart people who, you know, and, and these, I would, I'm going to check it out. There's another one that's coming up that you may be interested. It is a real estate heavy one. It's the summit at the sea. Uh, it's actually a cruise. It's been uh, not happening because of COVID for the last two years. And it's like ro- guys like Robert Kiyosaki, Tom Wheelwright. It's put on by the guys who have the re- uh, re- uh, the real estate guys podcast. I'm not sure if you're familiar with them, but they've had a p- couple conferences as well. I think it would be a good one. I'm definitely going to check out the few day MBA by Keith Kenningham. I'm um, four day, four day MBA. The four day. Okay, good. Let me uh, read my writing better. Um, so now let me ask you, the syndication deal is something that I have never done. I bought several multifamily properties uh, with my own money. And the syndication deal is intimidating because it's, you have to structure it. You're playing with other people's money. And what got you, obviously, once you master it, it's a super great way to grow as a real estate investor. And I think that you setting a very realistic expectation with one by the end of the year is, says that you're a, pra- a pragmatic person, um, you know, and I, that's exciting. So what are you looking for in that type of a deal? How do you see yourself putting that together? And what does that look like to you? Well, the reason I came up, you know, with the idea of this would be, you know, something I should do was because when I was more active in flipping and building, I would raise money and all I could offer was, you know, your typical hard money loan. Um, you know, I would offer at the time it was like 10 to 12% back then, um, interest. Um, but it was only, you know, I was only paying you on that amount of time I was borrowing your money. And I was running out of projects. So I ended up with a situation where I had more money than I had projects. I had people, you know, they kept finding more money. They kept, you know, I would get someone interested or someone would approach me, a friend, a family member. Oh, I heard what, you know, I see what you're doing. You know, I I kind of, maybe can I invest in you or with you? I've got some extra money. So I didn't, I had the issue where I was getting, I had more money than I had projects to, to move their money and to make it you know, to, to make it work. If the money's, if their money is just sitting in a, a, their bank account, they're not earning interest. It has to be in a project and I need to have a project. So um, there was this other type of investor uh, need, which was, Hey, you know, I had one, it was one, a friend who invested with me pretty wealthy. He says, listen, I, I, I would take less interest if you could just lock it up for a while. And I'm like, okay, you know, and I, I told him like, how much do you have? Like, you know, and he said, I've got like a million dollars. Like, I will just give you, like, you just need to lock it up for a while. And I'm like, okay, well, the only way to do that is with buy and holds and a million dollars. Like, here's the thing with single family rentals. They're really hard to scale. It's a hard, when you're picking up these little rentals, I know there's a lot of people that do it. They follow maybe the Burr method and like they do it, but in just in my experience in wholesaling single family rental homes that are these homes that make great rentals, like it's a hard, it's hard to scale. That's, you know, if I get a, I could get a 50 unit apartment building and do it in one transaction where they're all together and get one manager on it and they're all in the same spot, you know, or I can do 50 little individual units. And yeah, I mean, what do you think is going to be the easier one to do the construction and manage and, you know, long-term, right? It's going to be the apartment. So that's why I decided to go for the bigger projects um, for the commercial deals is because I had more money than I had <laughs> projects to work on. Um, so yeah, that's, uh, what was your other question? You asked me why, and then I forgot what you had said. I got on a tangent. Yeah, that's okay. Uh, so like I was just saying, you know, why are you picking the commercial and then what sector, like you mentioned multifamily, but you, you know, there's a lot of different sectors in there. There's storage, there's multifamily, there's office, there's all these apartments that are uh, motels that might not make it because of COVID. Like there's going to be amazing opportunities out there. You, you, you're definitely a smart 
young lady that's going to inspire a lot of people uh, to get, I mean, j definitely from listening to you right now, I could tell that like, I hope my sisters listen to you because they've asked me to invest, they've asked me for my help before. And, you know, sometimes somebody with a different message, you know, that it can inspire someone to, to get outside their comfort zone, so to speak. And my biggest question is like, you know, besides what kind of section do you want to do in terms of retail, office, whatever, whatever category, and then where does it go from there? Okay, so this is a good piece of advice that I got. So whenever you're gonna try something new that's a little scary and intimidating. So in a part, like a, a, a commercial syndication where you are you know, putting a $5 million you know, deal together, right? It's pretty intimidating when you're used to just wholesaling you know, $100,000 houses you know, my flips were more, I was in the $500,000 range, you know, maybe back then. Um, big difference, right? It's pretty intimidating. I'd be lying to you if I didn't tell you that it is scary. I mean, this goal is to me very big and audacious, even though maybe to someone else it's not. To me, you know, I set the goal. I just want to do one deal at first. I would love for it to be in the $5 million range and, and more, but if I can't find that property, I'm going to open up. I will be okay with something less. Um, I, you, what I, the recommendation is, that I received, and I'm taking this really seriously is you start with what you're most comfortable with. So that goes for the market that also goes for the product type. So am I interested in other product types like office, retail hotels actually really interest me. Yes. And I do have experience in it from, you know, 10 years ago, because that was my first job out of college was in commercial. So I actually have a lot of experience with industrial properties um, in office and retail, but I have, I've been out of that business for 10 years. What I am most comfortable with is living places you live, apartments, trailer parks, you know? So for me to make, to do this big audacious goal, I need to focus on something I'm most comfortable with. Otherwise I'm not going to do it. I'm going to mentally find ways to not do, to not do it, not make that goal happen. So I'm making sure that, you know, for my first one, I do something that seems manageable to me and less intimidating. So my first one will probably be in some kind of either apartment or like mobile home park, something like that. That's this the first, that's where I'm my first go-to. You got a lot of wisdom um, out there. I, I appreciate you sharing it. If you're listening to uh, Lauren Hardy, This Mom Flips, please make sure that you give us a five-star review, share this video with a friend, make sure you subscribe to her social, which she's not checking on the weekly. Make sure you uh, check out her courses and everything like that. And listen, I want you to give whoever's listening right now, like give them some words of encouragement to get out of their nine to five. Because I would imagine that the reason that you're excited about and the reason that you're sharing about what we're talking about right now, and you're willing to talk to me, who is a total stranger up until this point to you, is because you're excited and passionate about what you are doing and how it's changed your life and how you believe it can affect and change so many other people's lives. And there's a lot of people who are constantly watching in the background and they're waiting for that pain point. They're waiting for that boss to hit them. It's going in their, in their, what is the called the soundtrack in their mind. What words of wisdom would you, would you leave them with? You know, everything is hard at first. So in the last 10 years, you know, that I've been a self-employed, you know, entrepreneur, every, everything I've done was hard intimidating at first. Flipping one condo in Laguna Niguel was the scariest thing I'd ever done. It was like, you'd think I was going to fight a saber-toothed tiger. Like <laughs> everything was hard at first. Doing my first deal was so scary, so intimidating. Um, doing my fourth deal. I remember doing where I had multiple deals at one time. So not just one, but then going to where you had four going on at once and you were borrowing money, you know, other people's money to do right. that, you know, that was scary. Asking people for money, that was scary. You know, um, putting a course together and filming YouTube videos was the most unnatural thing for me. I felt like a complete fool. I, I was like, oh my God, I'm seriously talking to my computer. Like I'm alone in a room and I'm talking to my computer. I feel so dumb right now. I feel so dumb. Right. It, it took forever to get past that. 
And now it's like easy because I've done it so much. It's, it's, it's so easy, right? You know, so just remember like, it's easy. You're thinking, oh, well, it must be easy for her. Like she makes it sound so easy, but no, everything was hard. It's just, you got to chip away at it and keep doing it. And then it becomes easy. So right. that's my, that's what I'm gonna leave you off with. Yeah. I think, I think that's outstanding advice. Like which, you know, the, the, the harder it is in the beginning, the easier it becomes with practice and with time and with effort and with sticking to your goals and following through. But the first thing that I always tell people is you got to start. If you don't ever start, you won't ever know. And you started and now you're rocking and rolling. And I think that if you're listening to Lauren Hardy, you definitely need to give her a follow on This Mom Flips. You definitely need to go check out her program. She's quit her nine to five. She's raising two children in California and she's selling courses. She's selling real estate all over the country. And I guess we're fortunate to have you for sure. And I just would tell you that like, if my, if anybody's out there and they're thinking, like you said in the beginning, I'm a female, all the males are doing it. She's not, she's out there doing it with everybody else. Or if you've got an excuse, you know what? I, my leg doesn't work. There's a million excuses that you can write yourself. And I think that your story is very inspirational. And it's probably a lot of people's story right now of they're working their nine to five. They're not totally happy with their job. They're, they might be making a good living, but they're maybe not happy. And then when something happens that changes them, they're going to hear this podcast right here and they're going to get inspired to make a change. So I appreciate you having on, coming on the show today. I appreciate your time. Thank you so much. And when you're in town, if you ever come to the Midwest in Kansas City, I'd love to have you. If you ever want to go stay at our Airbnb in New Orleans, it's on me. We have one there. If you ever need to get out of town, hundred percent. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Hopefully I, I was able to give you guys some nuggets that you could take away, you know, out of this. I think that's the most important thing to me is that with um, any, any podcast I do that I gave you some practical advice that you could apply to your life today. So hopefully I, I performed and did that. So thank you for having me. I totally appreciate you coming on and sharing everything. You're very inspirational. I think you're going to accomplish all of your goals and I'm looking forward to getting an update on the $5 million property, wherever it is. Yeah. Right. Hopefully I'm giving him like 2022 goal. I got to do it. <laughs> You'll get it done. Yes. I hope so. I hope so. All right. Well, Lauren, I appreciate you. I will make sure I get everything. Thank you so much for your time. And I'll talk to okay. you soon. Bye -bye. Of course. Good to meet you. Bye.